The MMA Fight Corner. Get back. Joining us in the Fight Corner right now, UFC commentator Mike Goldberg. Mike, how's everything tonight? Everything's great. Bill, Bill, and Heidi, how's everything with you guys? You're all stowed in, I take it, huh? Oh, man. You know we are, along with most of the rest of the United States. (laughs) We're frozen over like the tundra. I'm lucky to live in in Phoenix and that the fight's in Vegas. I'm safe. At least I think I'm safe for now. For now. We don't know what's going to happen next week. Exactly. So, or next month when we come out your way. Yes, yeah. uh, and that doesn't happen often enough. So you know, when it does happen, you know we're all there like uh, like bees to honey. Exactly. Absolutely. From your lips to God's ears. <laughs> now, uh, big fight card this weekend. One that we've been looking forward to for a long time, especially the main event, the one that has been you know rescheduled on numerous occasions. Uh, Anderson Silva, Vitor Belfort. What do you think about this fight, Mike? Uh, I. And, you know, some people say I say it all the time, but this is not that it's not true in the past, but this time it's it's ultra true, if you will. I have not been this excited about a fight in a long time, and I've been excited about some great fights. But this one, oh, man. Vitor Belfort, I watched him when he broke in. I mean, I started at Ultimate Japan, UFC 15 and a half, and Vitor was 19 years old, and he had just gotten upset by Randy Couture. Randy went on to win uh, the heavyweight title for Maurice Smith and Shin Yokohama back in 97. But, you know, to the point of Vitor Belfort, I've watched him grow up as a fighter, as a person. His skill set, you know, when he's on, is second to none, especially his hand speed. I'm, uh, I'm very, very, very excited about this matchup. And myself, just like all the MMA fans, I feel like I've been waiting a long time, too, because not once but twice it's gotten pushed back. Uh, both guys are healthy. Both guys are motivated. And uh, this is, you know, to me, this is the dream matchup. You know, this, this is what you always talk about, you know, when you get to the Olympic level or you get to, you know, a championship in the Super Bowl when the two greatest franchises of all time, you know, meet in the Super Bowl. Uh, that, to me, is what Vitor Belfort Anderson Silva is. Now, what about all the critics that uh, have said that Vitor Belfort, while, yes, an amazing fighter and, you know, one of the best and a legend in the sport, hasn't really fought at 185 in years and really shouldn't even been have been given the fight in the first place? Well, I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is with, you know, the, the proper diet and nutrition, I mean, Vitor was a big kid. Obviously, you know, he won a tournament at heavyweight. Won the championship at light heavyweight, fought a lot at 205, fought Rich Franklin at 195, if you remember. Um, but no, I, I don't. I don't think that's true. I think Vitor Belfort has achieved enough in his career that he's worthy of this title shot. And you know, to be quite honest with you, obviously Anderson's pretty much cleaned out the division. He's cleaned out 185. You know, I, ironically, you got Rich Franklin on the same card, who basically was pushed to 205. Thanks to back-to-back losses, well, not consecutive, but thanks to those two losses to Anderson Silva, Rich, you know, rethought his future. So, ironically, you have the former UFC middleweight champion on the card as well, um, the last champion before Anderson, really. Uh, But, no, I think Vitor's done enough in his career that he is very, very well deserving of this title shot. Absolutely, I disagree with the critics. Now, you bring up the Rich franklin Forrest griffin fight. What do you think of that fight? Because I think that's an interesting fight it. also. Yeah, I love it. I got an advanced copy of UFC uh, 126 Countdown, which which might even Bill, be on Spike tonight, if I'm not mistaken. T- but, tonight or know, to end replay tomorrow night, yes. 
There you go. But check it out. It's good. And, you know, Rich says something in it. He said, you know, tough guy, always in a fight, good at everything, not great at any, great, good at everything, not great at anything particular, but will definitely come and give you 120% all the time and leave it in the octagon. And Rich goes, did I just talk about myself or did I just describe my opponent, Forrest Griffin? And he's bang on. Yep. They're so similar in a lot of ways. They're, they're great former champions. Uh, I love the matchup. Forrest is definitely bigger and stronger. Rich has got better footwork, although Forrest's footwork has improved greatly over the years. And Forrest has that heavy kick that he used against Rampage. So I love it. I love it. And really, it, you know, obviously both coming off injuries. Rich the broken arm in the win over Chuck. Forrest has been set back by some injuries. I'm intrigued with the matchup, and, and I think it's one for the ages. But then again, you know, who knows what these guys might do. You know, after one walks away with the victory, it might not just be one for the ages. It might be one for the future, and it might prove to us that either Forrest, Rich, or both still have a lot to make another run at a title at, at 205 pounds. You know, being a, I'm sure you're a huge fan of the sport, naturally. Um, you talk about retirement. How do you feel, just your personal feelings on a personal level of Chuck Liddell's retirement? You know, to me, the most important thing about Chuck's retirement was that ultimately Chuck made his own decision. Uh, Dana obviously has a wonderful relationship with Chuck. It goes back to Dana's pre-UFC boss days. It goes back to Dana being his agent. And, you know, when Dana talked about Chuck retiring, it was because it was his good friend that he didn't want to see, you know, leave a Hall of Fame career without the ability to enjoy his kids and his family the way he should. Uh, and, and enjoy all the hard work and, and all the, the rewards and all the accolades that came with it. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, went, it, came, it came at the time in which it was Chuck's decision, and I think that's good, and, and that's how I think it should be, and I think Dana would agree with that. Obviously, Dana talked about it a couple of times, that, you know, telling Chuck it's over, but then, you know, ultimately Dana said, hey, at the end of the day, it's Chuck's decision, and I think he's at peace with it. He's in a good place with his fiance. He's in a great place with his kids. Uh, he's obviously an ambassador, and he's now vice president with the company. He's the most, you know, he's the most visible face in the history of MMA, and it's great to still have him around. Uh, you know, the craziness of it all, when I say all that, though, is that he was really, really in shape and really, really close to beating Rich Franklin. And if you would have done that in Vancouver about a year ago, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. Having this discussion, I could not. We wouldn't be having it as well. We'd be talking about who Chuck was fighting next. Absolutely. But, you know, it's your question, Bill. It's, it's a, it was, it was in Chuck's mind, it was the right time. And if Chuck's good with it, then I think the MMA world should be good with it. Abs and I agree with you 110%. I was totally he was comfortable. About a minute away from, he was about a minute away from Rich maybe not being able to come back in the second round and leaving Vancouver with his arm raised I didn't, and us saying, what's next for Chuck? Mike, I didn't think he just looked good in the last fight with Rich Franklin. I thought he looked good in all three fights before that, the two fights before that. He looked his, he just looked, and especially his last fight with Franklin, I thought he looked amazing, and I was so shocked to see him go out and get knocked out like that. And I think that was a sign for, for uh, Chuck, and I think that's why everybody else is so, that's why I'm comfortable with it. I thought it was a good decision on his part. Even though he looks yeah, so there's good. A cool, there's a cool segment on Countdown tonight as well, and it's Rich talking about the exact first round against Chuck Liddell. So, again, for your listeners, I mean, when they're checking out Countdown on Spike, it's 
kind of cool how Rich breaks down exactly what happened after Chuck broke his arm with a kick and, you know, how he couldn't brace up with the left hand. And I'll let you guys watch it, but it, it, it answers a lot of questions from Rich's perspective about what happened in that fight back in Vancouver as well. Now, you, you've mentioned uh, ring rust there. Do you think uh, this is a long time for Forrest? I mean, usually he only fights the last three years. He's only fought like twice a year, but it's been 14 months. Do you think it's really going to pay a toll on him? It definitely could. It definitely could. There's uh, there's no question we've seen it before. And, you know, I mean, talking to Forrest over the years and, of course, all his teammates, starting with Randy Couture, uh, nobody works harder in the gym. They basically need to throw them out every night. They, they need to lock the, lock the doors and, and change the, the security code every night because Forrest would spend 24 hours a day in the gym. That being said, there's still fights and there's still that fight conditions, and I'm sure they've replicated that in training. But, yeah, we, we could see a sign of that. Uh, but as hard as they go to tour and, it, and as hard as he's trained, I, I think he'll be ready to go. And you could say the same about Vitor. It's been a while for Vitor as well, but they train at a high level. They, they simulate some pretty real situations in these camps around the world nowadays. And um, it's always a possibility, but I have a feeling both fighters are going to be pretty good in it. Oftentimes, after long layoffs, they're actually better because they get over some burnout mentally as well as physically, and they come back as close to 100% as you can be, where if you're fighting all the time, as you guys well know, no fighter who's fighting all the time is anywhere near 100% health. Good point. Now, switching gears and talking about some upcoming fighters on the card, one of my favorites that I'm looking forward to is John Bones Jones and Ryan Bader. Here you have one a guy with one loss, and we got really, a question, even is a that even loss. a loss? And we have Ryan Bader, who's undefeated. Now, what do you um, have for the outlook of that card? And then, now, that one is the future. You know, who, who truly is going to move into that prime position to be the future star at 205? And maybe for John Jones to be you know, the next true face of UFC and of MMA. I mean, he could be the heir apparent to, you know, to Chuck's run and obviously what Anderson and George are doing today. But John Jones, man, I'll tell you what, exciting, unorthodox, uh, extremely talented and gifted. Ryan Bader is tough as they get, spectacular wrestler, always improving. I live here in the desert. I actually train at uh, one of the places that uh, Bader does his conditioning. They said they have not seen him in this kind of condition, and he's always in shape. Uh, it's a great fight. It's going to tell a lot about the future. Uh, the cool thing is is that one man's going to move into that, that true spotlight, but both, as you said, you could argue are undefeated. The one who gets defeated on Saturday night really doesn't take a huge step back, though, either. You know, they circle back around, and they're still right in the picture at 205 because Jones loses to Bader, Bader uses to, loses to Jones. These are the two young, you know, budding superstars. So, interesting matchup, and... Uh, I'll make the prediction right now. This will not be the only time in their MMA careers that they fight. I see, uh, you know, maybe this a couple of years down the line again being a rematch for a title somewhere, somehow. Oh, I uh, love but, that. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. You know, speaking of the future of the UFC, we have five fighters on this card that have come from the WEC. Now, how do you see them stacking up against the UFC um, fighters and joining in um, with the UFC? How do you see this going? I love it, and, and, you know, we've always talked about when the WEC, you know, kind of got rid of, you know, welterweights and middleweights, and we absorbed many of those great fighters, um, and, and some have gone on to obviously have great success. Brian Stan, a great example, coming off a big win over Chris Lieben. Huge. Uh, 155 is the interesting division, Heidi, because that's where you have a little bit of a crossover. You know, that's where you have uh, 
you know, the Donald Cerrone uh, yeah. of the world coming in and, and, and fighting guys who have fought in the UFC previously. 45 and 35, they're still fighting each other, but 45s and 35s are the best in the world at their weight classes. And, uh, you know, so I'm very much looking forward to that. I've never gotten to call a Miguel Torres fight. Obviously called Uriah when Joe and I came in to do uh, Faber versus Aldo, but a lot of these guys being able to actually call their fights for the first time. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited about it, and they put on some shows. I can't wait to call Mendez and some of the other guys on the card. It's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Wow, wow. You know, um... and, I, and if, you're, if you're a lightweight fighter right now, <laughs> then you better be on a little bit of a winning streak. Cause <laughs> oh, yeah. Got a lot of, with the WWE, those combining... There's a lot of jobs on the line, so everybody's bringing it. At and Mike, you, you it. just you just reaffirm what I've been saying for the past couple of months now. Um, I got my next question is not only a question, but it's a compliment. It's going to be a compliment as well. What is it like working alongside with Joe Rogan, and how does it feel being one of the voices of the UFC, and in my opinion, uh, mixed martial arts in general? Uh, it's humbling. Uh, it's rewarding. It's, uh, it, it's mind-boggling. Uh, it's something I try to get better at every day because I think the day you stop moving forward, you start moving backwards. And, you know, but, I mean, truly, I, when you really look at, you know, I've been blessed to do a lot of cool things as a broadcaster uh, from, you know, being on the sidelines with Michael Jordan when they won the first three titles to calling 700 games in the National Hockey League, being on the NFL sidelines and, you know, lots of cool stuff. But, you know, for Joe and I to, to kind of be – the guys, so like you said, uh, of MMA and of the UFC, it's an honor, something, and it's uh, it, it blows me away. I mean, we're going to Australia again next month. I mean, seriously, it's it's insane. It's insane, and it's it's a ton of fun. And the energy for every event is second to none. Everything's a game seven. And the best part about it is, you know, Joe and I are very close. Our chemistry is very good because we respect each other. And we have a relationship on and off the air. So it makes it very, very easy. It's, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm Joe Montana and he's Jerry Rice because I wouldn't be boastful like that. But we have that type of relationship where we just know where each other's going to be on the broadcast field. And even to go one step further, you know, the crew that I've worked with for going on 15 years now uh, are some of my best friends in the world and, and people I've worked with for you know, well over 100 USDs. So it's, it's a big family and a ton of fun. Yeah, it's funny. Like, Billy here is just as big of a fan of mixed martial arts as, like, I can think of. And to hear you mention that you've called over 700 hockey games made him smile from ear to ear. I don't know of him, of two bigger hockey fans between the two of you, honestly. It's it's really funny. Like, you mentioned that word, and he just lit up like a Christmas tree. I am a huge, well, Billy, huge Billy, fan. you'll love this, and Billy, I'm sitting in the parking lot at the rink because I coach my son's score day travel team and they go into their MMA off, off ice uh, conditioning program in nine minutes. I'm sitting at the rink right now ready to put my skates on and coach my team it's, and it's, my kids are coming in. When we do the show in Newark, my kids are coming in because it's their uh, spring break. My daughter's a huge uh, theater person so she's going to shows on Broadway. I talked to my buddy Marion Gabrick because he was in Minnesota when I was there. 
And we're going to see the Islanders and the Rangers on Tuesday night at MSG. I just got, and listen, Mike, Mike, I yep, just got chills. Yep, Ovechkin, Ovechkin comes to the Rock yeah. the night before we're there. We get to see Ovi play the devil, so it's going to be great. Now, you, you know, I got to tell you, I am a huge New York Islander fan. Even though they're in a state of, you know, they're on a rebuilding process right now. And they're kind of, they don't have sense. They're in an unstable place right now. I don't care what any of you say. It's my team. Listen, four cups. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Absolutely. Four cups and, and the fifth mentally. year and the fifth year went to the finals like true champions. Not none of this, you Absolutely. know, the next year. Go ahead. Yeah, and handed it off to Edmondson, who went on to be the <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Edmondson, right. Who was the next? Well, no, no, no. Who was being rude? No, right. I can't name Wayne Gretzky on that team. I mean, they ended up being pretty good. No, you listen. I agree 110. percent The only team that could have taken that that trophy away from the New York Islanders was the Edmonton Oilers, who, for not only for the next four, but another five, went on to win the Stanley Cup. So, uh, hey, uh, that's nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> Well, I wear you love this, and now we're on hockey. But I wear number sixteen because of, of Bobby Clark, and uh, my son wears number sixteen. My brother wore number sixteen. Um, obviously, the Oilers got us when Hextall, you know, went in '85 uh, or '87. Pardon me, when I was doing my first TV gig. But lifelong Flyers fan, love the Broad Street Bullies, uh, love the game of hockey, and uh, tonight is my very good friend Andrew Brunette's 1,000th game in the National Hockey League. Wow. And uh, so I want to throw a little congrats out to Bruno, who scored the greatest goal in uh, wild history, the last goal ever scored against Patrick Waugh. Nice. And I got to call Look in 2003. So Bruno, uh, Bruno game 1,000 tonight. So uh, congratulations to Bruno. Wow. Very, 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 very cool. So that's good. I'm going to say, not only was I going to compliment you on the fact of that I really enjoy <laughs> yeah, your commentary, you and Joe Rogan together, I think you guys have a great chemistry. I think you guys are a great fan. And I'm not just saying this because you're on the phone with me. I really honestly feel when I watch you two, I feel like I'm watching two guys who really know what they're talking about mm -hmm. and represent the sport well. But now that you said that you're a huge hockey fan and the NHL or that's it, that's it. You just completely went sold, for life. Yeah, sold <laughs> for life. <laughs> so that means we got to do a game you, once, you Mike. You used to be in hockey, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, you we complete me. <laughs> you complete me. Little Jerry Maguire there. <laughs> when I come in, I'm going to come walking in when I meet you for the first time, Mike. I'm going to come walking in with a tear in my eye. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I, you had me. I love it. I'll probably be talking to. I'll probably be standing there with New, New Jersey's own Jimmy Dowd, and uh, we'll all talk hockey for an hour. So it'll be awesome. Nice. Absolutely. Now uh, he mentioned Joe, and Joe is uh, such a guy who, who's very. He's. But very, um, how do I want to say it? He's very outspoken out and de yeah, he, he's out, out there, outspoken. Says what's on his mind, <laughs> and I mean, there was a, a little controversy a couple weeks back with uh, the way that he talked about the judging in MMA and some of the things that have gone wrong and um, some things that need to be fixed. Do you agree with some of the things that he has to say? Because as a fan myself, I 100% agree. Um, you know, unfortunately, it comes to a bad time when the commentator for a company has to call out the uh, the shortcomings of the referees and the well, judges. I think you, you describe the situation perfectly, and, and I absolutely do agree with, uh, you know, pretty much everything Joe said that night. And, and, you know, a lot of people said, you know, Goldie, what what was your thought after? My thought was Joe just put it perfectly. Well, I, I, don't, I don't have to say anything. <laughs> Joe just put it perfectly. No reason for me. I don't need to hear my own voice. You know, Joe, Joe was bang on, and he echoes the sentiments of our bosses. He echoes the sentiments of, uh, you know, many of the great fans in MMA who pay a lot of money to watch our sport. And, 
Yeah, I, I love it, Joe. Joe is such a passionate fan mm -hmm. that, you know, they always say ready, aim, fire. Sometimes Joe is ready, fire, aim. But that's what makes him so special, so unique, and so talented. And I, I, re I know exactly what it was. The ultimate fighter finale was mm -hmm. in there, the pearl at the palms. And I remember just listening. And I just thought, you know, nicely done, Joe. And, uh, you know, the, the most important thing is our bosses are aware. Lorenzo and Frank and Dana are very aware of you know, what we need to do to continue to make this great sport progress in a, in a positive fashion. And, you know, they're all over it. More than people know, they're all over it, uh, trying to make it better every single day. Yeah, now, and my one final question is, and I know we're not there yet, and um, wherever that may be, um, anybody's eye, you know, anybody can, can call it, but how long do you think it's going to take for this sport to actually get the recognition it deserves, become more mainstream, and be finally legalized all over? Well, we're, you know what? I don't think that much. That's a hard question to answer because, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like we talk in the National Hockey League, as Bill knows. I mean, they're still the old school guys. You know, thank goodness the Shanahan's and, and those kind of guys are starting to get the, the jobs at the league office and we have a changing of the guard and you saw the improvements in the all-star game and other great ideas but you know there's always going to be there's always going to be those people who don't educate themselves on all the improvements and all the changes and all the growth in this sport so there's always going to be those people who, who aren't going to embrace it immediately and some of them have power in the media in legislature um so there's always going to be them but i'll tell you what we're, we're pretty darn close we're really, really close. And when you look at not just, you know, regionally and, and nationally and in North America, but when you really look at the impact around the world of the sport of mixed martial arts in the UFC, it's insane. So on one hand, I would say there's still going to be those guys that are going to be tough to convince. Uh, but, man, we've convinced a lot of them. And, and all I ask of those people is just educate yourself. Well, educate like, yourself, do your homework, and then make your decision. Like you said to me before, from your lips to God's ears, we can only hope. Exactly. We uh, can those, those great three letters, those three letters, MSG. <laughs> one day, my uh, friend, one day. I'd love yeah. to hear that. <laughs> UFC yeah, New York. Be, it'll be a very special day, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't I don't think seriously six letters would sound so good together. UFC. NYC. NYC. I can't wait. Yeah. And it, we're Absolutely. not far off. It doesn't look like we're far off. We're, we're you know. Closer no, every day. Think, and I'll tell you what, it's, it, you know, being in Newark and, you know, the great people over there at Prudential Center and, and having, obviously, the media from the metropolitan area is great, too. It's, it, you know, we, we will make the trip across the Hudson. And, you know, Dan and Lorenzo talked about, you know, trying to get it done this year. Uh, Mark Ratner is obviously a huge factor with that. But we were sure darn close when we're over there. And it, it sure feels good to be coming back east in a little bit. It certainly does. Well, listen, Mike, I know you got hockey practice. Thank you so much for the time. Have a great hockey practice and enjoy the uh, the upcoming week. Thank you. Bill, Bill, we'll talk some hockey soon, brother. <laughs> Take care, Mike. Be good, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.